PodRocket is sponsored by LogRocket, a front-end monitoring and product analytics solution. Don't know what that is? Go to LogRocket.com. Thanks. Ace, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It is a pleasure. How are you? I'm very fine today. How are you? Also very fine. No one's ever said that they're very fine to me before. I like that. I'm going <laughs> to steal it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I say not too shabby. Not too shabby is okay. Ace, who are you? What do you do? Intro yourself, please. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm human from Lagos, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I spend quite a lot of time doing web engineering. I'm a front-end engineer at Flutterwave, a global payments gateway out of Lagos, Nigeria, where we try to you know, bring businesses to accept payments from anywhere in the world, especially businesses in Africa. When I'm not doing that, I'm like a developer advocate, a YouTuber, a gamer. And I also like try to talk about my experiences, either in tech or like just natural like everyday life experiences on YouTube, and also like share my experience on Twitter. So that's where it is. That was very succinct. I mean, you have a lot going on. I'm super excited for this episode. Let's start with Flutterwave a little bit. What do you do there? I know you said, obviously, you're a front-end developer. It's actually been a little bit tricky recently because I switched roles. And a lot of people have been asking uh-huh. me, like, Wait, what, what exactly are you doing right now? <laughs> well, I joined Flutterwave as a developer advocate. And the goal was to you know, improve the developer experience of our products, you know, relate to the developer relationship, improve it, allow more people to be a way that you don't have to be like a big enterprise company to use us. At Flutterwave, you could use us for like your small businesses, your projects that you need to accept payment. So uh, the job at that point was basically just to revamp a lot of resources that we had and make it very developer-friendly and also like create more resources for developers. I spent a little over a year in that role. And then I was like, you know what? I want to transition to the front-end role while see, you know, doing some of the things I do in developer advocacy. So right now I am majorly in the front-end department. But I still like, you know, participate and do like dev advocacy things related to Flutterwave. How many employees roughly? Like how big is the team? I can't remember the exact number, but I think you are like 300 right now. Oh, wow. Like almost 300 I, right now. Yes. I mean, I knew it was big. I know it was 300. So the dev advocacy or dev rel team is maybe like 50 people, <laughs> 10 people. Yeah. We've managed to grow the developer experience team. Actually, that's what we call it at Flutterwave. Um, uh-huh. Also, we're roughly maybe up to 20 people. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, we have people in integrations, people that like you know technical support, and people that just also create resources and try to you know help developers on the forum or like publicly public engagement. Recently, we also had like this you know social media account where we're just basically for Flutterwave engineering, and we can support developers easily rather like trying to do it from their main accounts, right? So we had like this platform to basically connect more with developers and have like a direct line. Okay, this is, these are the plugins that we've created. These are our new libraries. These are things we are doing engineering-wise. Uh, these are resources that are new, but you can use that for this platform or for this other platform. So basically, we've created like platforms and a lot of people in different sections handling those platforms as well to better engage these developers. That's interesting. And then so you have a, not really a, a hybrid role at the moment, but like you still do some dev experience work. Yeah. So if I would give you like a brief idea of what my day is. Yeah. I wake up thinking majorly about my front-end task or I have to like build this, solve this, fix this bug or either a bug that sent me to bed the night before. <laughs> uh, then outside that, it's just me also like engaging with other members of the DevX team. It's not everyday thing anymore, but it's also like, oh, talking about these are things we need to do. Either we have to build a solution or, you know, improve some aspect of our developer platform or even our help center. There's a lot of, that, a lot of technical things going there too. But that's not my day-to-day. It's just like a part of my day, just engaging with the DevX team. 
And also, I get like a lot of people messaging me on social media. Oh, I, I'm having this issue. Oh, how can I do this? So even my, my personal account is almost like a support account <laughs> in most cases. Yeah. I think that comes with the territory. So that happens a lot too. That takes me away from my actual you know, front-end engineering that I do mostly during the day. Yeah, I can relate to having your personal account as sort of a support account. But I also feel like yeah. I don't really know how often somebody actually wants to have a conversation with a even if it's not a big company, like a corporate Twitter account, unless you're, unless yeah. it's an airline, that's like, if it's an airline <laughs> and I lost my bags, then I'm definitely going to tell, you know, Delta, like, Hey, totally. but if I have a problem with a SaaS product, I, I'm not super interested in that, but that'll probably come back to bite me later on when we have a, like a formalized social program. And it's not, I think just, a lot of people just prefer the personalized approach or, you know, I yeah. need to do this. Can you help me? And like, just go straight to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's interesting that about the, also about developer experience. Is everyone on the team a developer experience engineer? Uh, not everybody. Okay. Most of us, there are. A lot of people on the team are engineers, basically. Mm-hmm. But we're also trying to, you know, we have um, people that also focus on storytelling that are from other departments, but like, you know, work and now with the DevX team to better, you know, just create resources for developers that is just not, you know, you have to think about it from also a business point of view. I mean, developers are using this in their businesses. So it's easy to get carried away with technicalities. So once in a while, you also have to like, you know, take a step back to think, how does this actually apply in a, a business environment, not just like technical-wise for developers, for example, to be able to understand, oh, this is how you can use these tools, not just, oh, this is how to write these tools, if you get what I mean. No, I, I do. This is maybe too granular and maybe only interesting to me, but uh, so I'm, I'm always really interested in the evolution of, I guess, what used to be DevRel or Dev Advocacy and kind of the differences and yeah. like what the titles are and the how things are structured. So if there mm-hmm. are DevX engineers and then the people who are not engineers, what are they called? Do they have a title that's different? That's a good question. I'll have to Thank check you. their bios. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See, I, I agree. Like, it's not weird to me that that that's like, uh, that's I don't know, because I feel like maybe the, yeah. the profession is kind of undergoing uh, an evolution. Right. And so it's not it's not strange. I've heard that before, which is why I'm yeah kind of obsessed with it. So I think the thing is when you can enjoy itself, we don't have like a lot of companies, local companies, you know, like taking developer advocacy roles. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it involves us winging it. And when you when we have like new ideas in developer advocacy as well. It involves a lot of thinking about how you want to plan the structure out. It's usually very tied to, you know, technical product specialists or like technical account managers and then technical support. Those are like the existing departments in these companies that have to somehow collaborate to do DevRel, right? So for us now, it's basically, I think we're like three developer advocates that were hired, myself, Ekene, and um, Raphael. And we had to like, you know, just work with other members of the other, other teams to like try to form our own team. But then eventually there were like a few mergers between technical support and developer advocacy itself. So I would say even for those that are not like hands-on engineering, which I think almost everyone is hands-on engineering at some point, but people that are also like involved with just the experience part of it, everyone is basically called a developer experience engineer right now. Mm-hmm. But it's like you said, it's something that is in process is in progress. And as the more we establish the process, the more it's okay, I'm going to focus on this part. I'm probably going to be more, you know, outreach or community, I'm probably going to be more support or education, that kind of thing. And then the bigger the team gets, the more specialized individual members of the team get to be. But more often than not, a lot of us are just called developer experience engineers. To signal that you are, in fact, engineers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That part is important so that folks don't forget. Yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like there are also like a huge number of people coming out of Nigeria being developer advocates. Companies are also trying to also get developer advocates because if you are bidding for developers, you need to have that relationship. It's not just about sales anymore. 
is also about that relationship. And it's a growing, it's a growing industry out here. I think that we are going to see more people become developer advocates as time goes on. Ooh, well, hold that thought because I feel like I'll get back to <laughs> sure. what's going on in Nigeria uh, tech-wise and then also kind of what the trends are. Congratulations on Floodwave's giant funding round. Uh, not exactly yeah, breaking news huge. at this point. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's really, really impressive. If you're interested in that, you can Google. I forget how much it was. Do you know? Yeah, I mean, of millions it's, of dollars. it's kind of like a validation for the ecosystem. I mean, a lot of startups are also inspired that at some point they can, if not get there, they can get really close. It's also like awareness for the you know ecosystem itself, like in Nigeria or in Africa as a whole. I know a lot of people are already aware, but like when you hear about this kind of thing, it even brings even more awareness. A lot of developers and entrepreneurs in the ecosystem are also like, yes, we can actually do this, that there's a, a platform being presented that yes, people from this region can also, you know, like have access to funding and like global products that can actually reach that kind of like unicorn status. So it's just like a validation to a lot of people that are hustling and trying to get stuff done here and other people that are trying to get into the space. So I think it's like a win-win, like it's a huge win for the entire ecosystem, not just for Tower itself. Yeah, no, we're we're here nodding our heads like, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> I, uh, I want to talk about Nigeria a little bit. What are the tools that are coming out of Nigeria that are interesting that you think are either noteworthy or, I don't know, maybe you know personally or whatever, like the things that pop to mind? I think the first one that comes to mind right now is um, Chakra UI. I think basically everyone knows about it at this point. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most popular projects, uh, open source projects, especially out of Nigeria. There's one project that I actually find interesting. It's also recent, TensiJS, which was built by Kati. I think that's his name. And it's basically like headless CMS that allows you to be like a backend and like APIs for your applications, ASAP. I'm looking forward to building with it, but it's something that is also very promising. There's also a startup, I think it's called Abeg, that allows people to do P2P payments. So those are like projects that are just like interesting and you kind of look at it like, oh yeah, this is what the ecosystem is building. And you have people like just, you know, uh, you have communities as well just springing up trying to support each other, basically. Do you feel like there's a, a common thread among them? Is there some commonality there or is it just kind of what people are interested in? Yeah, I think one thing I've noticed about a lot of projects coming out of for MySpace is that a lot of it are like very web focused, which I think is also valid because I'm actually a huge fan of the web. I feel like the web can be used like anywhere. Your smart devices, your Apple Watches, your fridge, your PlayStation. Like, I don't think the web would ever go out of fashion. <laughs> See, more people like build for yeah. the web. And I feel like it's just something that, okay, yes, we would continue to shape the experiences for the web. And when we as Nigerians are actually, you know, building resources that other people from all over the world can use to like build their own custom experiences on, it's a very interesting angle to approach it from where you are building a solution with your own experiences, right? But you're using tools, underlying tools that are built by an engineer. And anything you build is basically on that foundation. So I feel like those kind of projects are like really powerful. Those are like projects that are like building for other developers, basically. And I really, I really like this kind of project because the potential is limitless because you've built your own solution to your own, like, oh, this is what I think I can do this thing for. And then other people just come in and just extend it to levels you've never imagined, basically. That's a good point. I mean, I, I always figured that my, first of all, I'd like to point out that you're a big proponent of the web on people's refrigerators. I just wanted everyone to make sure that that's what you're saying is the leading edge that's, <laughs> of web development. That's oddly specific. <laughs> You said it. I didn't well, say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like at some point we're able to access the web from anywhere, from any device that can be considered smart, right? From your tables. Yeah. From your walls. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I just think it's funny. Uh, no one's ever really talked about yeah. that uh, to me before. And I think I've never really considered it seriously 
And I'm not sure if I am at the moment. Anyway, back to the the original point, which I think is probably yeah. more interesting to people, is that I always kind of assumed that, like, yes, I saw more web-based stuff coming out of Nigeria, but then, like, that's who I'm talking to was web developers. I just figured I had a biased or skewed yeah. view. I don't really know that many folks that are working on backend projects or even our backend developers. But again, I just figured that was a me problem. Do you think it's a you problem too? I mean, a little bit, but I'm also like in the ecosystem so I can see other stuff. Mm. There are definitely mobile developers. There are like iOS, Android developers and other unique specific niches. But one thing I think is probably feeling that growth when it comes to the web is the mode of learning that people are approaching, right? So a lot of learning right now in the community is basically, you know, people coming together to say, okay, these are the resources that you can have and you're trying to break into tech. And when you're trying to do that, one of the easiest routes to go is web or you learn, you learn yeah. HTML, you learn CSS. And when we have like a lot of communities like this that are talking about JavaScript, talking about the next framework, things that are, make it easy for you to move from, you know, a novice to an actual like junior developer, for as an example, a lot of these resources are structured around the web. Very few are like mobile or, you know, other kind of platforms, right? So mm. when you see these communities, a lot more people are going to be involved in the web. And then I also see the other end of the spectrum, which is like designers, for example. We have Figma coming out. A lot of people in Nigeria that are designers are using Figma a lot. Mm. And even though we have a lot of people building mobile experiences in Figma, huge number of these people are also building experiences for the web. They're building UIs, landing pages, trying to get you know, acclimated with the ecosystem, with the tools that they are using so that they can also advance in their career. So you're having two growing, like rapidly growing industries, that's design and development, focused on the web. So it's understandable that a lot of resources that will be created out of this side would also be like focused to the web. Mm. They are definitely mobile, like I've mentioned. But yes, I'm also biased because I have a lot of web developers around me and designers as well. And a lot of people are just focused on the web. Basically. Yeah, it makes total sense. I'm Now I'm going to, I'm interested in what you said about, you know, people just starting out as developers in Nigeria yeah. and kind of what, not when I say ecosystem, I don't, I'm not meaning the technical ecosystem necessarily. I don't want to use the word community because I'm not there. I don't know. So maybe it yeah. is, maybe it isn't. But you said people come together and figure out sort of how to get started or how to break into tech. It would be helpful for me because I've always seen it from the outside now for years. You know, like yeah. as new writers come to the blog and I always kind of say that they like they come in waves, like they will arrive and do some writing for maybe a year and then they move on to do other stuff. Can you describe that process for me, at least in Nigeria um, that you've seen either what is the impetus and then how does that like what are the mechanics there? Is it just a lot of self-directed learning? Are people getting together physically? And then ultimately they write for me and I say, cool, thank you. I get what you mean. It's sort of like indirect part, right? I think for people breaking into tech, is either you are like very interested in tech from like a young age or maybe in school, or you find other people that you know, like you admire and all oh, these people are doing these kind of things in tech and you want to like come in. So it starts with the communities most of the time. A lot of people, of course, do like boot camps or like private learning and other stuff. But mm. each number is the communities like open source communities, open source Africa, Shikode Africa, and for loop. Like those communities are like, oh, we are preventing, we are presenting you, providing you resources that you can use to get started with your like tech journey. So when you look at this structure, it's basically very community focused. A lot of people are like, oh, they are learning in public. You see hundred days of code. You see like all these engagements. So the entire learning process is built around the community. So when you talk about a lot of people coming to LogRocket as well, I think the step is that when you start learning how to do these things, you know, build applications and you're like getting engaged, for you to also advance in your career to like get to the point of people that you're looking up to, say, Christian or Prosper, as case may be, you also want to put your name out there. You want to be the brand around your work. And 
more often than not, the next place to go is to start talking about your work, your projects. So you go, you start like to be into technical writing, talk about the things you are building, talk about technologies that you are using. And then you also have to make some money, right? So you have to like start improving your writing skills because it's what you do. Like you write code on a, on a regular day. You start like monetize that part of it. You start writing about it and start reaching out to the platforms that you can write for, writing platforms that you can you know make some money off at the same time. And also sometimes it's just about building your brand. Oh, you're writing for Smashing Magazine, you're writing for Log Rocket, you're writing on Pusher or another kind of platform like that. As you go on that journey, it builds like a sort of like social currency for you. People get to see your work. They know that this is what you do. Not everybody follows this in the latter, but like different aspects of it like come into play. Some people don't necessarily have to do like technical writing. Some people just go to YouTube. Some people give like technical talks. I think the fundamental part of it is like that learning around the community so that people in the community get to know that this person does this thing, right? And maybe there's um, an opportunity or some kind of referral stuff. You get to like recommend this person. More often than not, I think my last few jobs have basically come from recommendations. It's like, oh, we need to get Ace to do this. Oh, what can I do to get you start on Monday? Oh, I saw your profile. I would mm-hmm. like to do this. Oh, someone mentioned it to me. So like that learning around the community itself has been a fundamental structure has powered a lot of developers coming out of Nigeria. I think I don't want to like just you know pull a number out of my my head or whatever the case is, but probably one in two developers that you speak to today, for you to be able to reach out to them, that means already involved in the community in the first place. But for you to reach out to them to be like, oh, how did you get started learning or whatever the case is? I started learning on my own, and I joined these people, and I started talking with these people, I made these friends, and we're sharing our work. So that structure has been something that people have been paying forward. So like more people come in, they do their thing, they grow. Even if they move out of the country, there's always that connection back. Like, oh, this person is creating these resources. This person is building this open source project. This person is supporting other developers to like, get to that point. And then there's referrals, there's recommendations. More people are like upscaling and then that pipeline is just growing. So I would say that entire pipeline right now is, of course, there are personal learnings and like people from other institutions, but a huge number of it is from that community part. People learning in the community, learning in public. And just helping each other out, most of the case. Hmm. In recent times, you've seen like open source communities, you've seen like Figma Africa, people supporting designers, people supporting developers. And these numbers are like huge. You get like 300 people attending your meetups, not even conferences, like meetups. You get like 1,000 plus people attending your conferences. And a lot of these people are just trying to like get their work out there, also like have this recognition that this, this person can do this kind of work. So, for my opinion, that's what powers most of the developers are like, you know, the entire system, entire community that we that we really have here out of this side of the world. Yeah. What's amazing is that it's it's so enormous. Like I can't find the right word. You know, overlook, I've been here at Log Rocket for, I don't know, three and a half years. And there's no country mm-hmm. that comes even close to how many developers that I talk to that are from Nigeria versus anywhere else. It's like orders of magnitude. And I don't mm-hmm. know that, I mean, I've asked, no one person can answer why that is, but it's, it's super impressive, obviously. But it is also like, if, like, if you don't notice that there's so many good web developers coming out of Nigeria, you're, I don't really don't know how that's possible. Like when I look at my inbound, like when people who are emailing <laughs> me being like, Hey, look, I'm interested in, in running, like, it's almost, it's like 75% Nigerian devs. Nigerians. Yeah. If you look at GitHub Octoverse um, for 2020, the top countries that are like growing, um, on GitHub itself is like Nigeria at, at like number one, I think 65% growth in the last year. And that's because mm. a lot of these communities are also like using open source as a platform to teach each other to share resources. And then everyone signs up on GitHub or everyone is sharing their code on GitHub. Like no one has the answer, like you said, but I don't think anyone can just disregard the importance of that community learning. And at some point we're having like meetups every other weekend before the pandemic. So if you miss yeah. one, you definitely have one that can go to next week or 
if you're not interested in this particular topic, there'll probably be one that will have a topic that is connected to your field the next week or even the same same weekend. So there were like a lot of communities, a lot of people just trying to like grow their brand, learn in public and just support each other. And I think that'll be the huge part of it. Grow their brand so they can someday be as famous as Code Beast. Probably. <laughs> Shout out Christian. Probably. What, what, what do you do after that? After you uh, ascend to those levels of, of fame, how could you be better than, than him? I mean, I'm not there yet, but I have like a big idea. <laughs> Yeah. So I think one thing is for people like myself, Chris, a few other people like uh, Prosper, for example, mm-hmm. a lot of these people came in into tech through this community part that we mentioned, right? And there were communities like Dev Center and some other smaller communities back in the day that were that created a platform for these people to share resources and learn, right? So one thing I've also noticed is that as people like this continue to scale in their career, there's always this pay forward, you know, mindset that goes with it because everyone understood that the community is also part of their growth. So they try to like pay forward, like, okay, we're going to support other members of the community or actually create a community of their own. Prosper went on to co-found Forloop, which was like a huge developer community here in Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, there's also Moyi that like Moyi powered, like I think a huge chunk of the Google developer communities as well with some of uh, some other people, right? So these people are like, they went through that platform, they went through that community and then when they get like to the top, usually there to also like help the next set of people to like come up and just like show that these are the possibilities. And even for people that are not directly involved in those communities that these people manage or support, they appear as an example like, oh, I, these people did this kind of thing. I should be able to do this to also like forge a part in my career. So even if they are not directly responsible for those people, identified as examples for, okay, okay, I'm a junior developer now. What's my next title? What's going to be the next level for me? These people are basically like, you know, outlined, oh, if I am able to do this kind of thing, I can become a Google developer expert. Or if I do this kind of thing, I can become a senior engineer. So even when these people are not like actively involved in the community for different reasons, could be work. They've also just created that line of, you know, their past work has created that chart. Oh, if you do this and this and this, there's a high chance you'll be able to do this. So that influence has definitely trickled down the entire pipeline. And I think it's one of the most amazing things that's like going on in this side of the world right now. So who do you think deserves more attention? That movie doesn't have it right now. I mean, there's you. Everyone should know Ace. If you don't know Ace, silly. <laughs> but yeah, who yeah. do you like? There's someone I would say right now, but I'm not sure he's going to like it. <laughs> Great. That's the best part. That's I love that kind of answer. And you know this person is actually Nosa, right? Oh, um, Nosa hey. has been building you know, amazing solutions for the longest time. Uh-huh. He's also like head of front end at Flutterwave. But it's pretty uh-huh. like really quiet about it. I mean, not a lot of people know like this person is like very good with this front end and he just does his thing on social media when he writes articles. Yeah. And I think he's a wealth of knowledge that is waiting to be tapped. <laughs> I don't know if, if that's valid. But yeah, if there's anyone I would want like more people to know about, I would definitely start with Nosa. He's actually my team lead right now, funny enough. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, he has written a lot of articles. He has trailed off a little bit, but I think he's probably, that's not uncommon, but yeah, he definitely is going to hate that we're talking about him. And I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Which is the best part, I think probably maybe of this whole episode for me, but yeah, I mean, every, even the stuff that he's written, you know, as far back as a couple of years ago, like he'll get it. I will see that someone will show him some love and be like, Hey, this is a great article. I found it super helpful. And then he's, I'm not going to tell him I mentioned him. He listens no, to the podcast. I will. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll tell him later. And yeah, I'll be like, why would you do that? But yeah, <laughs> check out Code Panda. Follow him. Yes. There's also something I'm trying out, and it's basically trying to build like very small side projects and reach out to junior designers or developers, as the case may be, 
and try to like you know collaborate with them like i have an example i built a very simple you know i think it's like a, a mini game a mass game i've not even shared it yet but what i did was i decided to like you know i sent out a tweet you know if you're a junior designer i'm just trying to like you know have this experience reach out to me and i'll show you the platform you just go with designing it like to the best of your ability and then we'll talk about it so i feel like this kind of you know it's not like a work environment it's not intense mm-hmm. would give like more opportunities to junior designers as the case may be or developers to, you know, like just try out their hands on projects in collaboration with someone that's a little bit senior. And then you can get feedback and also improve your own work. I was waiting to share this publicly. And then I'll try and see if I can get more of my friends that like, you know, senior level to, you know, if it's just a small, it doesn't have to be like a startup, like it's just a small side project. It could be like something very basic. And then you just work with someone that is junior and like just walk them through their uh, you know, thought process. This is what you think of when you're doing something like this. And like, you know, just have that chico down effect eventually. So I think if more people do that, then we would have more answers to, oh, I think more people should know about this person or more people should know about this person because then you're seeing their work and are giving them the opportunity to put their work out in the open space. So I'm hoping I'll get to be able to convince people to do that. Like a smaller, like mentorship sort of program almost? Yes. Yeah. Except it's not like, it's not hands-on mentorship, just like, oh, for this project, we're just doing this. Or I give you tips, we talk about it, you get experiences and then we'll move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that makes sense also. And didn't you just share it publicly right now? No, it's just it's, um, it's a very small project and I haven't actually implemented the design. I'm still talking with the designer, oh, this is what you should do, that kind of thing. That's why I haven't shared it yet. Oh, so you're just like a little teaser. Yes. But well, I definitely like, to, I don't know if anyone that's listening, I definitely like to encourage I don't know, anyone mid-level, senior level to probably like, you know, for projects that are not like a big deal, just collaborate with like junior people and just like, get them the opportunities. Because I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of people come out of boot camps as well. Mm-hmm. They struggle with finding real-world applications to like collaborate with and have that experience. A lot of them get stuck on the tutorials that they are taught in the bootcamp, and that's just it. So they are waiting for either for internships or, you know, like good opportunities that, oh, this is a chance for me to actually see how people like, you know, build stuff or launch stuff like in the real world, that kind of thing. So I think it provides that platform for as many people as possible when more people are doing it. All right. Well, so when are you going to finish it? I don't know. I'm on a deadline at work, so that's pretty tough. <laughs> I know. I'm just being difficult. That's pretty tough. <laughs> but let us know. I'll shout it out. Awesome. I'll do that. Well, I always like to end these little chats with sort of asking the guest things that you're interested in or kind of what you're excited for, kind of looking forward. I have stopped asking for specific time periods because when I ask Swix, like, what are you interested in this year? It's yeah. like, that's a, that's a silly question. I only think in terms of decades. So I don't know. I, I give up on that. But yeah, I mean, looking forward, what are the things that you're interested in or excited about? There are a few things, but I think one that stands out is the Jamstack. And the reason is because a lot of people have been building very statically saved websites for the longest time. But I think what is happening now is that there are a lot of more people building like headless CMS, backends that you can easily generate, APIs. And I feel like it's going to be an opportunity for people that have ideas to just like quickly build out, like even with just the front end and then connect to different APIs as easily as possible. Like you don't have to think about implementing an entire infrastructure to test your idea out, right? And I feel like the more people that get to use it, We'll be able to like, you know, we have more ideas executed out there. It's one thing to have like ideas in your like idea book where you're like, oh, I have to be like a whole ton of things to actually get this, to test it, right? So I feel like with the Jamstack, it's easy for you to like, you know, build out an MVP as quickly as possible and try out your side projects without having to have so much demand or like, you know, expenses around it as well. Mm. So yeah, definitely the Jamstack is one of those things. Also looking at Noxt, I've been a fan of VGS. Noxt is like growing rapidly and I'm like, if anything, I would definitely love to know more about the Nox ecosystem, how it works, you know, building with it, server-side rendering, SPA, SSGs, as the case may be. 
of course, you can be Jamstack with Nox as well. So like Nox as a tool, Jamstack as a concept. I feel like I just went off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's the point. What I was actually thinking about was, do you think front end is too complex and too complicated as you were naming all of the things? And then I realized yes, that I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I assumed I'm like, oh, but that's going to be like a 15 minute discussion at least for yes. anybody, for any developer that I would talk to. So yeah, maybe for part yes, two, we'll come back. Mean. And actually, I just had an idea. Maybe I'll have like a virtual roundtable is front end too complicated on this podcast and everyone can say yes and complain and that would be cathartic and maybe helpful for everyone to listen to yeah i think i'd try that sounds good all right cool i would love to keep talking to you forever but no one wants to listen to us talk for an hour and a half yeah but thank you for coming on my absolute pleasure i'm glad to be here to talk to you totally love it me too you're the best come back we'll talk about other stuff we'll be friends yeah you too better (laughs) friends than we are currently Before I go, I'd like to just give a shout out to the Made in Nigeria project. Mm -hmm. It's an open source collection of projects that are built out of Nigeria. So if anyone is looking to find out more about Nigeria developers, I mean, like projects out of this region, definitely check it out. It's on GitHub and it's also, I don't know, you can share the links in the notes. Yep. Yeah, basically a lot of creators, a lot of interesting projects that can be used anywhere in the world. It's not like specific projects. They are like very globally relevant. So do check it out and reach out to the creators, give them opportunities. There's talent everywhere. Go to madenigeria.dev. Love it. Live it. Yes. Be it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's a wrap for us. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, email me if you want, even though none of you do. Go to logrocket.com and try it out. It's free to try. Then it costs money, but yeah. We'll see you next time. Thanks.